So one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Esther. And so for those of you who don't know the story of Esther, Esther was an orphan who was raised by her older cousin. Now, they were Jews that were living in exile. So this is after, after Babylon had come in and destroyed, the, the, um, destroyed Israel. They had been taken, uh, the people had all been taken into Babylon and lived in various cities. But Esther was born in Babylon, and she had absolutely no memory of of beautiful young women to be a replacement for the queen. And as the prior queen, she had fallen out of favor. And as things would have it, Esther caught the eye of the king. Now, that is, um, it's, it's a little more sordid than that, actually. But you get to kind of get, the, that's the VeggieTales version of it. She caught the eye of the king. And Esther is made queen. But being queen doesn't mean that you're safe. It, as long, it comes down to this. Really, it comes down to is that you don't really have a lot of official power. And as long as you continue to please the king, you're okay. So for an orphaned young woman at that time, things could really be worse for her. The key is to please the king and to not rock the boat. Her, her cousin, though, he, he gets into some trouble. And he has made an enemy out of Haman. And Haman is the king's go-to guy. And Haman's out not just to get rid of her cousin, but he just decides that he's just going to get rid of all the Jews. All of them. So her cousin makes the strongest play that he can. He goes to his cousin Esther, who's the queen, and he begs her to go to the king on behalf of her people. Now that definitely counts as rocking the boat. He's asking her to rock the boat that she's safe in. So Esther has to make an assessment. She has to make a decision about her priorities. What does it even mean to be a Jew? The truth is she's not particularly religious. Esther is the one book in the entire Bible where God is never even mentioned. So why hold on to a heritage, a, a religion, that by all accounts is done? It's done. Uh, it's Judaism, their, their nation had been conquered, and Ju Judaism, by all rights, in a generation or two, should have disappeared just like all of the other religions of conquered nations by the Babylonians. I think right now there's a lot of people who are reassessing. And it's not just religion, it's what's important to them, what's important to you, what's important to me. The news is full of the quiet quitting movement, which the quiet quitting, if you don't know what that is, that's workers who are deciding that the expectation of the workplace is nuts. The, they're setting boundaries so that they are not working 24-7. They're checking email and texts on, on vacation, working evenings and weekends. They are trying to find a better work-life balance. 
than they've seen as, well, part of my generation and older. And boomers. How many boomers have I talked to in the last year, even in the last day, who are reassessing life? They're considering maybe to move into a senior living facility and making that their kind of their primary community. And that would kind of replace the one that they might have spent or moving away and moving away from the community where they spent decades of their working life in, their, their friendships, their relationships are all part of that. The separations that boomers felt during the pandemic is profound. What it comes down to is that pretty much everybody right now is reassessing, trying to decide what to hold on to and what to let go of. It's a weird place to be on this gathering Sunday, the first one that we've had since 2019. So this morning, Pastor Michael and I are going to talk a little, and uh, we're going to take our chairs, and we're going to pull them out here to the center. No jokes. We're, we're not going to joke. You feel like Barbara Walters. <laughs> so who, I, who, who do I get to be? If you get to be Barbara, who do I get to be? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> Again, no humor. <laughs> so Aaron, so you've been talking about um, people reassessing. And reassessing, it's a, it's a good thing, right? Reassessing? It's probably way overdue. I, think, I, I don't think too many people would argue that right now that things are just going so well in our world that we should just stay the course. Everything is just great right, right now. That said, how a person assesses things matters a whole lot. I, I, I think that the how matters a lot here. So like a person like Esther, she could put her self-interest first. And, and from certain ethical perspectives, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, is there one ethical perspective, or are there several different ones we can sort of lean on when we're reassessing? There's, there's, there's definitely more than one ethical perspective. But from a Jesus perspective, not all of them are rooted in his values or so, his perspective. So give me a value on, give me an example on Jesus's values, Jesus's perspective. <laughs> well, you know, so I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna go to, to Esther just a little bit on, on that. Um, she has to decide what has the highest value to her. She's in, a, she's in a situation where she has to make a big decision. And so is, it, is, is the highest value her religion, her faith? Not really. It, is it her ethnicity, her, her, you know, where she kind of sees herself? I mean, is, does she see herself as a Jew? Maybe. I mean, she's definitely, she would be recognized necessarily if you know, somebody heard maybe an accent or something like that. Her Jewish identity is, is definitely tied up in her personal identity. But is it her, isn't it her cousin? Her cousin who took care of her. She does not want to see him killed. And she definitely doesn't want to be killed herself. 
And so there are, there are all these examples in our scriptures of you've got people who chose to die for their religion. The, the, um, the Apocrypha, if you've ever read that, the Apocrypha is full of people who would martyr themselves for, for their religion. They perceive that God and religion are united. But, th- but that's not Esther. She values the relationships that give her identity and love and care, as, as well as her own self-interest. So your identity is sort of, your identity, the way you care for others, that's all wrapped up into, I suppose, your own self-interest. Is that bad? No, it's, it's not really bad. Um, but here's the, here's the thing I always think you have to watch for, though, is that when your circle of relationships, the people that are in your life, those, those relationships that you really value, your community becomes so small I, and I see this happening all over, that we value, we get into that echo chamber on social media, or we choose to talk to people that we know agree with us. And so our circle gets smaller and smaller, that things get pretty exclusive. And when things get like that, things, I, I believe that things really start going in unhealthy directions. Yeah, so that sounds bad. Well, it, it's, certainly, it's not very Jesus-y. I mean, that's, not a, that, that's definitely not his way. I mean, if you think about Jesus, his whole thing is, is it's always going out to people, not people that just disagree with you, that people who might even be called on to kill you. I mean, he goes out and says, the centurion, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal the person's, the person's servant. He goes, and what is he known for? He goes out to eat with lepers. He's always pushing that idea of that circle and making it a little bit bigger. And I think so that when we are starting to see our own circles diminish, perhaps that's a check on us that maybe we're headed in the wrong direction. Yeah, so what does that mean for us as we are all sitting here today, we're thinking about, okay, maybe this reassessing is either something I've been doing or something that I, I'm interested maybe in doing. Um, for people who are reassessing things, what does what you're saying mean for them? Okay, here's, here's one that, that well, I've actually I had some, I had some checks on this too. So for the people who are assessing the role of work in their lives, and there are a lot of them right now, it's, it's more than just finding what work-life balance is. But it's also about call. It's that sense of de- there's, there's a deeper call on your life for what you do. So when you have a call, it's, a, it's deeper than just going to work Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. It's really what you feel moved to do in your life. You know, I would say it's, and it's even more than just kind of what moves you. As a, as, a person of faith, as a person of faith, it's also claiming that God has a call on your life and that has gifted you in certain ways. It's about, it's about knowing what your why is. Why do you get up in the morning and want to do the things that you do? do the things that you do? So you mentioned the reassessment that you've seen that the boomers doing. Now, for some reason, whenever I say the word boomer, I feel like I shouldn't be saying that. But that's okay, right? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a generational label. Okay, all right. So boomers, okay. Boomers, yeah. so, um, uh, so you mentioned the reassessment that the boomers are doing. What, what reassessing are boomers doing? The, the isolation of the pandemic, and I've seen this the accelerated a whole lot in our world. And so if you were like a, a reset, you know the phrase, does it, nobody says this anymore, but the phrase golden years, 
You know, people used to say that. It was those years where you were kind of a recent retiree and you still had energy and you were excited to do some things, travel a little bit, you know, visits with family and friends. And for a lot of people, three years just disappeared from those who were supposed to be golden years. And I, I was thinking about even like little, like simple things like men's breakfast. Like, so we, for years, this church community had a thing called men's breakfast. And every month, they got together, it was a topic. You'd get together, you'd have some eggs or whatever, you know, waffle maybe or something. And you'd get together, you just talk to people. My first thing I ever did in this church community was not worship, it wasn't coming into the office. I went to men's breakfast on my first day. And I sat down at the table, I knew nobody. They were just all faces. And I remember a few years later, coming into that group and sitting down, and I could go around the table and tell you something about every guy. There were probably about 25 people around the table. And I could have told you something that I just admired about every single man at that table. And it was an amazing, fe- it was an amazing feeling. And I, I'm keenly aware that, so Men's Breakfast is going to start getting together this September for the first time in years. Great. Yeah, it, it is. But it's, I'll tell you the thing that's, that's really hitting me, though, is that there are going to be some empty chairs around the table. Yeah. Um, Kirby Dreyer, just this last week. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel his loss a lot in his input at that. Art Foster, Wayne Fick. Wayne Fick said some things. I even brought it up during his memorial service. He said some things at men's breakfast that I will never forget. They were blessings to me. And there's a temptation after everything we've been through and after three years, there's a temptation just to kind of just say, you know what? It's over. Time to pack it in. It's, you know, those empty seats are going to be felt. And that's why I feel like it was almost an act of the Holy Spirit that it was somebody who was not part of men's breakfast before who's getting it kicked off again. That we need those relationships. And even when they hurt, even after the three years and the loss, when there is a temptation to pack it in, that we go back and we recommit because those relationships are that important. Because when our, our circles get so much smaller, even if we lose little things like men's breakfast, we're diminished. And that's, I guess that's why I'm really glad to see it starting up again. I mean, it's not, I don't imagine that going on the 22nd or whenever it is, it's gonna like change my life, but it will a little bit. And the same, I'd say the same is true of our youth group watching them come together. Uh, the Sunday school, watching those new relationships. I was watching, I was, I was watching Emmeline and Roland, two relatively new kids in our church community. And I'm watching the, that relationship between the two of them. And you wonder, you know, you wonder where these things all go. And it's a beautiful thing to see and be part, and be part of. Relationships, and I've seen, they just, when you have them, it allows us to work together and become wider and wider blessings in the world. And it's just because we choose to walk together in Christian love. I think now is a time that all of us, all of us are, are reassessing relationships. And we're looking, is it in our self-interest? That's certainly a part, part of it. But also the call that God puts into your life. And I want to believe, I, there's a couple of things. I want to believe that everybody who is here today, God has put some call in your life to care and to love for your neighbors. Otherwise, why would you even 
be participating in a church worship service, that God has put some call on you to make a difference in the world, to extend love and the influence of Christ throughout the world, however you define that. And there's a healthy balance to be had there, to figure out what that balance looks like for you, because our destinies are tied up in one another. As Queen Esther was assessing her life situation, her cousin told her this, don't think for one minute that unlike the other Jews, you'll come out of this alive simply because you are in the palace. In fact, if you don't speak up at this very important time, relief and rescue will appear for the Jews from another place, but you and your family will die. But who knows, maybe it was for a moment like this that you came to be a part the royal family. You and you are part of this family. Even if you've only been in this community for a matter of days or months, or if you've been here 50 years, just by being here, by connecting online, you are a part of this. Maybe God has put you here for a purpose, to help at this important time to help this church community share a message of inclusivity, a message of justice in a world that needs justice, to share some mercy and some compassion in a world that seems pretty merciless at times, to share Christ's message of nonviolence, those values, those core values that bring us together. That is our why for gathering. And I'm so glad you're part of it. And there's a whole lot of hope in that.